Okay. All right, everyone. I have got another awesome episode with Dr. Nima Romani, who was on the podcast earlier in 2023 with, with what is still one of the most popular episodes where we talked about <laughs> sex and money for the spicy wow. money series. I wonder why people, <laughs> I wonder why people are so intrigued about these topics. <laughs> right. Hey, Hannah. Right. Yes. Because <laughs> It's just so, there's so much, there's so much to dig into and to dive into. And there's so much trauma that people hold <clears throat> in both areas, right? I just so. did a masterclass yesterday and I went over kind of like the, with money and the previous week I did it with sex. And I went through this beautiful graphic that my team designed based on your brainchild, Hannah. Mm. Hannah came up with this concept. I want to say, if you're listening, she, we were in the business mastermind group and all of a sudden she has this intuitive hit after we have been talking about the conversation of sexuality within the container and people were reacting differently towards the conversation of sex. Some people were like, like in your case, you were like, Hey, Nima, like totally, I totally get it. Thanks for that share. That was really cool. I'm going to implement that. And then other women in the group were totally triggered by mm -hmm. the conversation. And so this started this inner journey for you, which I want to just first acknowledge you. Um, based on that rupture that happened within the group, you went inward, came out with this thing and hopped on a call with me and said, this is what kind of came through. People with different values in sex are going to react differently. And this is what the different stages are. And I just looked at that and I was like, oh my God, that applies to love, that applies to money. And just like I do, I'm an integrator. I listen to information, I digest it. And then all of a sudden, if you've ever, have you ever done that? It goes to like 10 different things, it grows. And you're like, oh my God, I just took that concept and developing it through my lens, it just becomes huge. So thank you for that. I wanted to say, I, I owe that all to you, that part of it. Yeah. The conversations that come from it have been amazing, but I owe that source of that is all because of you, my dear. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It was, it was this, it, it truly, I don't, I don't get like full downloads of what something looks like very often. Um, that's not typically how my inspiration comes to me, but it does sometimes, right? It's like, I can pinpoint, you know, on a, one hand, when it's like, this is a thing and here it is. And it's fully fleshed out. I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> and, and that was, yeah, it was just. Came through you. Yeah. Yeah. And after it was done, it was like, oh yeah, I don't really want to <laughs> pursue that myself. Like that was, that was for an, a different context. Yeah. Right. So like, you said here, this is take it for you. Describe it that just a gift for you and just use it. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, great. I'm just going to make sure that you have all the credit for where it comes from, where the germination of this idea, because this idea, since it came out, I wanted to tell you, Hannah, it has blossomed mm. <clears throat> into something that people are messaging going, I've never had it, my life explained. Like, I realize that I've been living in a fantasy land. I've been projecting over other people. I realize the work that I now have to do. Like it has opened so many hearts to the path towards their own healing with love, with money, 
with sexuality. It all has to do with what was not resolved in your body. And we bring that up and help people get to the bottom of it now. Oh, okay. So people are going to be super confused if we don't okay. at least say what we're talking about. So um, <clears throat> you, you described the situation, right? The, what happened and that's um, accurate. And then what downloaded, what came through was that we are all on a spectrum, right? And so for anyone who listened to a couple of episodes ago, I talked about my children um, who are on the autism spectrum, two of them. And so this like thinking of things in terms of being on a spectrum has just been like at the forefront for me lately. We're all on like, a spectrum. We're all on so many spectrums, right? So many spectrums. Everything. <laughs> and so this this particular spectrum that dropped in was like, it's a spectrum from repression to addiction, and so repression on one side, um, then what's the next, what's the next step up from repression? Inhibition. Inhibition. Yeah. And then balance in the middle. Balance in the middle. And then overt. And then on, the, on, the, on the right side, there's an overt expression. Mm -hmm. and, and then, then addiction. Addiction. And so the thing that came through along with that, um, beyond, you know, like filling out, okay, what does repression look like? What does inhibition look like? What does balance look like? What does overt expression look like? What does addiction look like? So we really- With money, with, with sex. With money, with sex, with love, right? Yeah, All of it. Exactly. And so that was some of our, we like met and we talked about like, what does this mean? What does that mean? It's but the the other fire. aspect- <laughs> I yeah. love those conversations. So good. The other aspect was that if you are too away, if you are too um, standard places, deviations away, right? Two places on the spectrum, if you're two spots mm -hmm. away from the other person, go ahead. Then you, you can't hear them. <clears throat> it doesn't, there's, if you are overtly expressing either money or sex, money or sex. So overtly expressing meaning uh, with money, that would be Flashy. Flaunting it, flashy mm -hmm. with the Ferraris on the, you know, on social media. Look at me, you know. Right. I drive this your... nice car. Look at my house. Yep. You know, Garrett J. White does it really well, by the way. I follow Garrett J. White. <clears throat> this dude on Instagram, this dude just, he, like, he helps men, but he is not shy about really overtly expressing the Lamborghini, the house, the whatever, because that's what he's marketing. But mm -hmm. that kind of like, it magnetizes a certain type of person and it repels a different type of person. It's what, yeah. where it creates polarity. So if you're, what you're saying is if you're two standard deviations away from somebody in love, sex, or in money, like in this case with Garrett J. White, um, you're going to either be attracted or you're going to be completely repulsed, yeah. uh, repelled by it. And so that is just a, it, it, what it is, what is it? It's just a fact of life when we're dealing with these, you know, really important topics that keep us kind of stuck because we're worried about what people think. This is to say that if somebody is, if you have an overt expression with money and that's how you're living, somebody who's inhibited with it can't help but look at you and say, what the F are you doing? Like you are not spending your money in the correct way because it should be done according to my values. Right. We spend money with sexuality. It's all based on values. And those values have so much to do with your upbringing, your religion, your trauma history. And so we're worried about what other people are thinking of us in terms of money, in terms of our sexuality. 
we don't want, we want others to validate us and we want everybody to be okay with us. But it literally, if you're couple different, a, a different value system, it's impossible for you to be approved of by everybody, which then creates this inner conflict. Do I express myself uh, authentically or do I just move towards attachment, attachment to other people's, you know, I'll stay, I mean, you've, how many clients have you worked with that want to become wealthier, but then they realize if they become wealthier, their family members are going to have a judgment. They're yeah. going to be judged. They're going to be like, oh, must be nice. They're going to be those people. So that yep. keeps them stuck in that level, right? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that goes, that's where the money stories are, right? For me. So what those, yeah, what's, when you do have more money, what are those stories and who's saying them, right? Mm. That's where it all starts to- Where'd you get the message? Right. That's where our work kind of like, oh yeah, this is why we have such um, affinity <laughs> and similarity because we're we're working with different, you know, different with populations. That, but that little that space, what we're working with is that space. I call it becoming trigger-proof. That space when you get triggered- and you go and behave in very predictable patterns from the trigger, which is based on a past versus pausing and going, okay, how do I want to react now mm -hmm. based on who I'm becoming? Do I want to constantly be living paycheck to paycheck? No. Okay. Well then if I don't, instead of blaming my boss, right. Or, or do I want to constantly be in these cyclical trauma bonded relationships? This is love bombing the, you know, if not, and if that's been the pattern, instead of pointing the finger, blaming your boss, blaming your ex, labeling them on, as a narcissist, which by the way, that is a spectrum as well. And you're on it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You are on it. You are not absolved from narcissistic parts. Oh no, it's the ones that label and point fingers and create this defense mechanism of splitting. I'm all, I'm all good. I'm the victim. That person is the evil one. Those people are doing splitting, which is a narcissistic trait. It's a narcissistic defense strategy. So mm -hmm. it's really important for us to really start to examine what happens in that space between stimulus and response. How are we reacting? Are we reacting with judgment? Let's pause and see where's that coming from. Oh, geez, rich people are bad. People who express sexuality are sluts. You know, people who dress like that, like what we project literally is becoming our world. And so we all want healthy relationship with money. We all want to be prosperous. We all want to like have good sex in a relationship, which we feel safe in. We're not having to chase or like abandon our hearts to be in that relation. We all want that. We say we want that, but the problem is our bodies are behaving in a different way. Then it's important to stop pointing the finger and realize, of course, there's external factors that create that, but there's also internal ones. And these internal ones, like, what do I feel I deserve? How much money do you want to make? It's like, oh shit, I never, I'm just complaining about, I'm just complaining about, um, you know, how there isn't enough. Well, how much would you like to make? Oh, I never thought of that. Interesting how you never thought of that. You're focusing on that. Okay, well, I want to make, let's say, six figures. I want to make 100K a year. Okay, great. Try that on. All of a sudden, they try it on. And what happens in the body? They contract and they're like, I'm like, oh, what was that? 
The notion of you making what you want is causing your body to contract. What's what's going on there? Have you stopped to look at that? That's an internal force. Well, we start to explore it. What do they say? They say, well, I don't feel like I'm. that's even possible for me. Ah, well, why not? Well, I'm too dumb. My dad said I was this. I don't have an education. Ah, now we have an awareness of why we are exactly where we are without playing victim to somebody else, without blaming ourselves, because it's not our fault. You had We had no chance. I, I was given this information. I was given this identity before I even had the conscious awareness that I was in the identity. It's like I was born into a fishbowl of dirty water. When you're born into a fish, you're a fish born into a fishbowl of dirty water. You don't know that it's dirty. Right. You just think that it's just normal. And so our work then is to start to become aware of this, that it didn't start with us and then jump out of that fishbowl into a healthy one mm. and start to question everything from this new lens of who you're wanting to be. And that's going to take some guidance. It's going to take some someone you care about, like somebody you trust holding a mirror going, hey, take a look at that story again. Somebody who's willing to look at their own stories, not as a guru on a pedestal, but, but as kind of like a guide that works with you, who's mm -hmm. just you know on the same path as you and just maybe a couple chapters ahead. And then by examining that, we can rewire this bracing when it comes to sex or money and then ah, relax it, you know? Even with sex, Hannah, I had a client who... 10, 15 years married, she's just really resentful of him. They don't talk about it, but she just doesn't enjoy sex. And so I took her through a process where I got her to kind of feel into what's going on. And I said, so what, her body starts bracing. I said, so what happened? She goes, well, it's this feeling like it's my duty that I have to do it. Mm, yeah. I said, oh, okay, let's explore that. And so we explore this duty and she realizes her husband never made her feel like he, it was, expected or dutiful of her she had a catholic background and she thought it was bad mm. so she has a it's bad i'm bad for even wanting sex so i'm going to shut down my sexuality and so when my husband wants it i still i enjoy it and it's receiving but there's this bigger part of me that thinks it's wrong mm -hmm. and so she realized it was like oh my gosh, this disconnection from my husband isn't my husband's fault. I've, I've been disconnected from myself. So she was then able to release that and then now get into a really, in, you know, uh, an intimate conversation with her partner. And now the sexuality is starting to flow again, right? But it it's, I don't know, this is like going down a rabbit hole, Hannah. It's scary. Oh, like, like yeah. where are you going with this? I don't know. <laughs> I do know. The the thing that was just coming up for me as you were telling that story is that um again, going back to the this is all a spectrum, is that our different pieces of us, our different parts are also on a spectrum. And so what you were saying about, oh, like I actually do enjoy this, I want to be intimate with my husband and something about it feels repressed. Right. So that's that repression piece. And <clears throat> that's so there, the repression piece. There is there is repression, even if you consciously are like, I don't want it to be there. There's a part that's of right. you, right? So then it's these in your two, body. These two parts are are not agreeing. And so and that 
repression comes from a trauma. Mm -hmm. It always comes from an injury. A trauma is an injury. We think of trauma like, oh, like sexual trauma, which is obvious. If you were uh, cheated, lied to, stolen from, if you, like many men, like I had financial trauma after my divorce, I lost almost everything. Well, I lost pretty much more than half of my assets to somebody who, um, you know, didn't have much coming in, right? I had more to lose. And so I've been carrying around. So we divorced in 2011. I've been carrying around this resentment towards women, towards, you know, like this financial trauma and resentment. Uh, so it really colored my perceptions of women, of marriage, of, you know, until I met somebody who actually validated everything that I um, believed women to be. Mm. Can I get get your consent to really get nasty uh, with my with my with what my shadow was saying at the time? Yes. Yeah. This is an important story. Yep. Yeah. Um, so the story that I made was that women are just a bunch of gold digging horse after my divorce, and so. Imagine if I, which was part of my financial trauma, but which is, you know, why do you think like if I was carrying that around, what kind of women do you think that I was meeting? Gold diggers. Bingo. (laughs) Bingo. Right. And so I ended up with the ultimate one who actually had a past as a um, sex worker, exotic dancer. And she's a madam and she would label herself, I'm a hustler with a heart of gold. Cause she was such a sweet person. So giving very like pro animal rights and like, you know, and I just kind of like was caught in that whole love bombing game where it was kind of like our, she was going to help me build my dream. I was going to help her build hers, which is a power couple dynamic. Mine was, I want to get out there and teach my methodology. And she just kind of like, was like, oh, shared fantasy, which is the first link part that causes a trauma bond to really glue together is this shared fantasy. So when we met, you know, I had this fantasy and I was blinded by this fantasy of, you know, following in the footsteps of my mentor. And then she comes along and she was in a difficult period of her life. She was unhealthy. Her gluten-free cafe wasn't doing well, which was a cover up for her um, sex working business uh, back background. And so it was kind of like, a you know, washing the money type of thing. Um, and so it was these two businesses, the one that was underground and the one that was here, this one wasn't working and she needed a break to get from that. And she saw me, she was with a woman at the time. I was with a girlfriend and we just became really good friends. And slowly it became a romantic thing because I saw that all of my needs were getting met. I was getting sex services and supply. And she was helping me with my narcissistic supply (laughs) because she was helping promote my business and kind of set up talks. And all of a sudden I was getting all this attention, which is like, she was kind of like a manager. She played this role of a manager, the manager that you're sleeping with. Picture that archetype. 
It's like the manager businesswoman, very business savvy based on her background. Me, I'm just a chiropractor wanting to leave my practice and needing that little just boost to make that leap because I didn't quite have the, the confidence in it. And boom, she didn't need the money. She had her own business. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. And the sex, you know, it, it, it was just all 50 shades of all sorts of, you know, like a mix. And my parents yeah. were watching going, uh, make sure you have a contract. Are you sure about this? I was just like, so hell bent in proving everyone wrong with my new business. Cause I wanted to leave chiropractic and my parents really weren't all in with that idea. And so here I was, next thing you know, we start this relationship. And four years later, it becomes this trauma-bonded, volatile push-pull dynamic, which became violent. Had a huge wake-up call where the police were actually uh, threatened to be involved. And I was like, oh shit, I could lose everything right now. And she basically held the, the, the cards after the event where I literally, I physically assaulted her, I slapped her. And it was like, oh my God, what did, what the fuck just happened? And we were kind of in the process of trying to heal from it. And I was like, what do we, what do you need to feel safe? Well, I need money and uh, to not, you know, to not um, call the police. I was like, are you going to call the police? My biggest fear was her filing a police report. I'm like, what do you, what do you need to make sure that you do not file a police report? Ah, oh, okay. Well, I need money. I need back pay for all the great things that I did for you in the past. And I was like, oh, fuck. In that moment, I realized I had been maybe like, oh, shit, what have I gotten myself into? Because if I knew that if I left this relationship, uh, that she would definitely file a police report. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So what do I do? So what do you do? Self-preservation. I tried to play house tried to kind of create as much space and do my own healing so that one day I had enough courage to leave, not worrying about the reputation repercussions. Cause now, you know, I'm a public figure and in the, in the height of the me too movement, this was a great opportunity to destroy someone's career just to, you know, like, and, and I didn't have the inner resources to be able to handle that kind of a backlash. Like I, it was like, I was like, almost suicidal. Like it was the scariest time. 2018 was a dark period in my life because I was like, should I stay or go? That's why the topic of my book is really for people. Should I stay or go? Because I didn't know stay or go. Because if I stayed, it was the, I was with somebody that I wasn't aligned with. It was not safe for me. God knows what else I, you know, like I didn't know how to control my reactions at the time. And I, I it was one of those situations where I've never been abusive ever in my past. And it was like this amount of provocation and escalation I'd never experienced before in a relationship. I, I felt trapped. And so my nervous system went into a freeze. I went in through this depression. I couldn't sleep, anxiety. And that's when I started my journey. And I met Dr. Russell Kennedy and I started my journey in learning how to heal at a somatic level and really get and unpack my sexual shadow history to see Nima, even though this is a shitty situation, it's terrible that you're in that. How did you get here? How did you get here? What unconscious processes got you here? So I discovered a trauma bond. It turns out I was, you know, coupling sex 
because of my background with religion, coupling sex with thrill and secrecy. Mm. So it wasn't, you know, if it's in a se secure relationship, sex in a secure relationship doesn't evoke that same thrill and, and shame and guilt, which was very heavily tied to my early sexual kind of like experiences because sexuality was so repressed, mm -hmm. right? In the, you know, so it's this, tr this small T trauma of coupling sexual pleasure with guilt, thrill, shame, secrecy, which led me to the question, why didn't you leave sooner when you knew it was toxic? Well, there's an unconscious process within my body that assigns thrill mm -hmm. to being able to be with a dirty little secret that I don't want my parents to know about but I can maintain this relationship. It drove the sexual kind of like thrill in the bedroom, made it highly addictive. And so when I would pull away, I'd be like, I can't do this anymore. She would know exactly how to use the sexuality bit to basically, oh God, I promised myself I wouldn't do this, but here we are again. And because I had zero impulse control, this was the cycle. And so I had to look at my sexual trauma history. I had to look at my relationship with my parents and the fact that I hadn't individuated from their kind of like, I had, I'm still wanting to prove them right or wrong, even in my forties. That's a lack of individuation. I hadn't really grown up. That's what it means. And I went into the body and I did my healing work. And now I have this really healthy, secure relationship. We have polarity in a secure relationship, which is, you know, getting a secure relationship is great, but keeping it sexually charged when it's in a safe non-trauma bond dynamic, that's a whole other mm -hmm. can of worms. And it takes understanding polarity, conscious polarity. And so everything I'm teaching now is all aligned with all of the crap that I literally over the last five years had to overcome from my trauma bond and this week, they, it's over. Uh, the court case has been settled and I have come out victorious and um, I can now put it in my rear view mirror and dedicate my life to teaching people how to avoid being in this fucking situation. It's, it's not fun to be in. So I've made it on the other side and I love walking other people through to get to that point of secure polarized relationship from there trauma bonded dynamic and healing their relationship with sex, with money all along that path. So the thing that I want to pull out from that story there is that it, you know, I mean, we met, uh, oh gosh, a year ago at this point now, right? So it's August, uh, 2023. We met over a year ago. Hmm. Um, interesting to think about. And this year, right. This has been, um, so the relationship you're talking about, the traumatic one had been over already for a while. For like four years. Yeah. And, and but I wasn't done with it. Yeah. It was still, still processing, right. Literally through the court system and, yeah, and all such of that. Is, such is the way with trauma bonds. Right. And so what I'm, what I am, uh, what I'm trying to say here is that it's like, sometimes we go through something so, so heavy mm -hmm. that is, you know, when we, when someone might hear that, like, Oh my God, that's, that was a lot. 
you can say it was a lot. It was a lot. And if you're not, if if you don't have to go through that much to learn it, mm-hmm. like you can, let's you can, do that. You can have, yeah, you can. Ha- yeah. If only I had somebody like me as honest as, as me walking through that journey, which I did. That's why I do it now. I, I found a way to be my own kind of guide through this process by learning from amazing guides, like the mentor that we, uh, we have lo- learned from together, Marla, big love to her. Um, it's through that process of like having somebody that you trust who can kind of like validate your experience, but not like just keep you stuck in your story, constantly call you to, yeah, okay. And who do you want to be through this? Right. I knew that going through this was like, you know, a week after my son was born, like I'd moved on. Everything had, uh, was done. I was like, yes, I moved on. I met my person. I finally got through. I was hearing these niggles on social media of like, oh, she's coming after you and she wants revenge and all this stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? Whatever. A week after my son is born, I get arrested. I was like, oh, shit. She retroactively went back and filed those reports knowing that, you know, I, we all admitted to everything in public. I text messages. I, we weren't hiding anything. I was like, yeah, this is what happened. I've content we were giving with our community. We weren't hiding, but now she has all this evidence of me, you know, and I was like, okay, all right. So I go to a lawyer. I said, let's just plead guilty because I did. In fact, you know, I did. In fact, I do did something. I totally regret the way that I reacted. I, constantly like how the hell did i get to that point right it was like we've all if you've ever experienced this point where you completely lost your shit and then two three days later you look back and go whoa like you're embarrassed by the way that you reacted just know that i 100 can relate and that's exactly what it was but more importantly how do i make sure that never happens again and that's how trigger proof was born i went through the legal process it took about three years for, well, now let's go. It's, you know, four, three years, three years nonstop of living with this dark cloud going, what's going to happen? When is it going to end with somebody that doesn't want it to end? They want, there's kind of like a meaning in the fight itself. They've turned it into a gender issue. They've completely, you know, confabulated things, dragged your you know, reputation through the mud smear campaign, all of it. And it's like surrender to it all and just go, all right, I'm just going to take all of it. Just own all of it and just be committed to the truth each step of the way and trust that that will on the other side of the truth with a dedication to helping other people through the exact same thing. The dedication is when this dark cloud is finished, I don't want to live looking at this dark cloud for the rest of my life, which is what people do when they're trying to escape from trauma bonds. They're looking at the person and they're just like, oh, their focus is on the person, right? And it's like, just put that aside and just who do you want to be on the other side of this? Well, I want to be, first of all, an amazing dad because I feel bad here. I am teaching about intergenerational trauma and my son, my son is born into this. It's like, Can you catch the irony here? I'm here teaching the world about that. And my son is now, without any fault of his own, born into 
an environment where his parents are at war. You know, so how do we make sure that his experience growing up in his very formative years are full of love, are full of connection, are experiencing the world as being safe, even though in his dad's life, safety wasn't what I was experiencing. So this became, you know, the whole concept of trigger proof came from having this Im immense pressure of being in a war that you don't wanna be a part of, but yet it's not just about you. Now you have a wife and a son to ensure that they are healthy and that your relationship is intact and that your son is a, a, like growing in an environment where he knows that the world is safe. And so I gotta say, the dark cloud just was gone last week and I look now and I'm like, thank God I've been focusing on the other stuff because I love my life right now. My marriage is amazing. It's more polarized than it ever has been because I've been working on that over the last year. Um, my son is thriving, thri like he is like, he walks to up to anyone because the world is safe to him. My community is expanding and growing and now I'm training teachers I'm doing teacher training of people who are like, have been following my journey and everything that I've integrating, passing it along to them and they're noticing changes in their lives. And they're, you know, so it's like everybody, as I've been rising, a rising tide lifts all boats. I've been rising and this beautiful community of cycle breakers are rising with me. And so I'm super duper proud of that. And that's been you know, the catalyst for all of this stuff. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that, right? And there's a book coming out yeah. uh, next year about this exact whole journey of how to break free from these trauma bonds called Becoming Trigger Proof. Mm. Well, we'll have to do another podcast when it's a launch season for the book. <laughs> super exciting. So down. I'm so yes. down. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me rant. This has been very therapeutic, by the way. <laughs> yes. Always, as our as our conversations always are. <laughs> yeah. It well, and what I the reason that I wanted to like open up the floor for that share was because you are willing to share the parts that are so often completely hidden, right? That we don't. We don't want to experience, you said it with your own words, we don't want to experience that much pain. We don't want to, uh, we don't want to experience financial trauma. And then we don't want to admit to it on the other side, right? When you say, this is how I felt about women because of the trauma I experienced right. in my divorce. In my, right? for, in my divorce, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, then the trauma of, you know, having hurt someone, physically and done, you know, been triggered into mm -hmm. reactive abuse, reactive. <laughs> yep. There we go. Yeah. You know, and that, that most people will not admit to or speak to. And so it remains hidden. That's right. And it remains hard to deal with. And because, heal. Yeah. Cause if we won't, if we can only heal as much as we're willing to look at, Mm -hmm. And so if yeah. we're unwilling to look at it, like it's too painful. I got to keep it under yeah. whatever, you know, under the layers. I can't, I can't look at that. Well, looking at my own responsibility of it is very shameful. 
it's extreme. It's called ego dystonic. Our egos can't stand taking responsibility. It's a threat to our, our false sense of self, right? It's a, it's a threat, right? So, you know, the Taylor Swift song, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. That kind of like, it's a celebration of somebody who dares to look at themselves and take ownership because it's so rare for people to do that, but it's the only way to have a secure relationship mm -hmm. outside of ourselves because we don't have a secure relationship with ourselves if we're not willing to, to, to meet those parts of us. It was Marla that said, um, our mentor Marla that said that in order to have a secure relationship, we can't have that unless we're willing to let go of our victim story. Yeah. We can't because we, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's not possible because our victim story attracts another hero complex savior mm -hmm. where you're the damsel in distress or the, the victim or whatever. And, and then that person will then end up becoming your next perpetrator because they can never fully rescue you the way that you need, right? So they will never be adequate. And so you go through these cycles where it's always the other person, always them, I'm the innocent one. And then, you know, the people that I like to work with are the ones that are like, okay, I've been telling that story to my therapist for the last year. They've been validating that they're a narcissist and whatever, but you're the first person that made me look at myself. And it's uncomfortable, but... I'm ready to heal because I, I don't want to keep repeating this cycle. Mm. So one of the topics that we wanted to discuss, and I think this goes straight into it really nicely, is the should I stay or should I go? Right? Like that's the that's the the piece, the question that someone might be asking, where you're like, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. What does it mean? What does it mean to stay? What does it mean to go? So where, where would you like to take that? Well, should I stay or go? Um, first and foremost, if your if your safety is in jeopardy, then find a way to leave as as fast as possible. Okay. So this conversation isn't for those people. This conversation that I'm talking about is specifically for people that don't that they are, you know, their safety isn't at risk for staying. Okay. So that's the first thing that I wanted to, to share. You know, I always ask him, are, are you okay? And oh yeah, yeah, we're fine. Like he's not a threat. She's, you know, whatever. It's just, I just, I'm just stuck here. I was like, okay, great. This is for you. And I want to, I want to say this, I mean, in tying it back to money um, as well, this could be in work. Oh Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Same thing applies. If you if you are in like a a, a, a situation that a is job. like harming harming to you mentally, physically in any way, yeah. like yeah, the answer is go. Leave. Yeah. But yeah. if you're in that space of like, you know, I am mm -hmm. you know, there. Like, I could stay. I could figure Amazing. it out, but I don't want to. <laughs> I love it. I love that you said that because um, just this week, two of my clients gave their resignation for their J-O-Bs. One works for the postal service and she finally had the courage to leave. She waffling on this. It's kind of like a, you know, a toxic kind of narcissistic tyrant type of relationship with certain, you know, right. where they, it's the same thing, you know? Um, and then another one was a uh, interior designer in a, in a working for a salary for another, you know, interior design firm, not realizing she has all the skills to go and get her own clients. 
right? And not work for a salary. And so finally, she was pissed off enough to finally say, okay, I'm done. So to this week, broke up with their jobs. <laughs> so right. it works the same way in any relationship. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, you know, should I stay or go? So this applies. So what I notice is um, there is a process uh, that, you know, we talk about is called doing the work and everybody thinks of doing the work in different levels. So there's a doing of the work of talking to a therapist and telling your story to validate your story. That's not going to help you know the answer. Should I stay or go? Okay. Um, the answer comes from really finding at, from the work. This is where I, I literally wrote the book trigger proof, um, a villain's journey to a secure relationship. And I call it that, uh, and this goes with work as well. I call it that because um, in order to find the answer to that question, you have to first come to terms with the fact that by choosing what you truly want, you might have to be the villain in someone's story, right? So should I stay or go? You, again, you're focusing on what's happening out there. When you work on meeting the parts of you that you've disconnected from because you're afraid of what other people are going to think, and you heal those parts by doing the work, which is a body-based you know, kind of inquiry into understanding where do you feel that you're not enough? Where did you disconnect from yourself first? Where did you choose attachment over your authentic expression first, because once we heal the root cause of that and you resolve that, all of a sudden, nobody has to tell you, hey, Hannah, you should stay or hey, Hannah, you should go. You then, the knowing comes through you. And what we do with our cycle breakers to answer that question is we give them the skills to learn how to repair from a rupture, which is an argument. So because we don't have that modeled, we get into triggers, conflict, and we don't know how to repair. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there because we haven't had repair modeled to us, a repair of an argument. How did you, how were you modeled arguments? They never, either never happened for you and you never saw them, or it was like complete, you know, rage, rageaholic, cra crazy, and you weren't modeled how to repair. So they were just sitting there, open ruptures constantly. So without that skill, you could leave this person, sure, but you're still skillless in resolving what happens when you get activated in the relationship and how to repair from a conflict. The fantasy is, well, maybe the next person won't give me so much conflict. Eh. We're dealing with human beings here and it's time to get out of fantasy land and learning how to repair from a conflict. Like you're a secure relationship happens on the other side of repairing conflicts. Let me, let me say this again. This is big. Mm -hmm. So let's say my relationship with you, for example, Hannah, within the last year, since you and I have known one another, how many times in our conversation and communication was there an unconscious, you know, maybe pushing of a boundary, an internal boundary within you, within me, where you had to contend with yourself, should I discuss this with Nima or not? Mm -hmm. 
right? Because the past version of you maybe would have been people pleasing and buried it. But this new one that you've been working on, Hannah, you were like, hey, may I share how I'm feeling? This is what came up based on our last conversation. And you gave me an opportunity to really hold space and to hear you and then provide you with a caring kind of solution so that you knew how much your friendship meant to me. Can you see that we've become stronger on the other side of the repairs of those ruptures? Absolutely. And that's, I think that's a really great example because it's easier to leave a friendship. And so in this example, that's um, right. Because you know, I don't, because we're not married. Uh, I'm not a client. You don't need me. You have other friends. You could have just said, fuck off, Nima. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and so the, the truth of it, like truly, really, really, truly, my response. Um, so what it was, what was modeled to me when I was a child was that my parents were very explosive with uh, each other. And so they would, they would scream and it was, it was really, really difficult to be a, a sensitive. I'm a super sensitive person. Oh yeah. Which, you mm. know, but imagine me as a five-year-old, right? Like wow. just taking wow. it all in, right? A super <laughs> sensitive child. Um, oh, I just want to give, right? just want to give her a hug. She's so sweet. <laughs> so cute. So sweet. <laughs> she loves to draw horses all the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, like oh, so that was good. me, but the, so the repair was just silence and me hiding and withdrawing. Mm -hmm. So that was that was my response to there's conflict I I to, in order to be safe I will hide. Mm. And so what that turned into as an adult is with withdrawal. Emotion mainly emotional withdrawal. That's right. Yeah. You just don't want to burden anyone with it. You see it and you don't know how to talk about it. You don't know how to confront it. So you'll withdraw. And so what was the impact of that for you? For me, it was, that's where uh, like, it's really easy then when you withdraw emotionally from someone, it's very easy to see, um, to see fault, place blame, all of the things. Play the victim. Play the victim. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So like start projecting onto mm -hmm. the other person and and then just be like, well, that's not worth my time. Now, to be super clear, when what we're talking, like the situation we're talking about, I was in a place where I'm like, something feels off. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to feel that way. Like, mm -hmm. I, it was like, a, again, like a boundary crossing thing where mm -hmm. my response was, I'm just going to withdraw. Withdraw. Yeah. But that's I tra traditional response. But I don't like how that feels. Okay. And so that was, that was the, for me, the like, okay, so what do I, how do I do this if I don't, Differently. if I don't do the withdraw? <laughs> yeah. Right. This is what healing trauma is actually about. Healing trauma, yeah. you're, you have that wiring in your system. So that's not going anywhere. But what you can do is you just noticed it. And this is what becoming trigger proof actually is. It's leaning into the trigger. Mm leaning into the old trauma response, which is run. So there's fight, which is poke. There's flight, which is run, which is what you just saying. There's freeze, which is hide. And then there's fix, which is kind of like fawn. 
right? And we all have a, a one that's primary that we that we base our relationships out of. And it also depends if you see them on a pedestal. If you have, if you see them up above you, then you're gonna maybe fawn. Where if you see them below you, then you'll maybe fight. So we have different responses, and they're we use them at different times depending on our perception of their empowerment over and above us. So that's basically what we are contending with. These are the skills that we have created to survive childhood, but that fucks us over in our friendships and intimate partnerships and business relationships in adulthood, because what kept you safe in childhood doesn't foster healthy, secure relationships with friends like you and me in adulthood. So yeah. you challenged, you leaned into that. And then what did you do? Uh, you know, I asked for a conversation and I told, exactly. I, I told you how I was feeling mm -hmm. and you were able to, because you're also a conscious growth oriented healing being, you were able <laughs> to hear it and hold space for it. And we were, we were able to do that. And gosh, I don't know two or three times at least we've had yeah. different conversations like that where, you know, you leave the conversation feeling like, huh, well, I feel heard and seen and that the thing that I was feeling is now released. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Oh, that's interesting and different. That's and it feels skill. good. <laughs> yeah. So that's a skill I never had. I yeah. didn't have that skill because my parents didn't teach it to me. Right. So I remember several years ago going, okay, I don't care whatever distance I have to travel, whatever price I have to pay. The one thing that hasn't worked for me in my life has been intimate relationships, even relationships with men. So I have to, you know, have to acknowledge that I might be deficient in this muscle. And it's a muscle that can be learned if you're committed. And so I just became obsessed with learning how to repair first with myself and then with others. And the concept of trigger proof was born. And so now I have secure relationships now because I'm secure with myself. And I have a secure relationship with you, for example, because I trust that whatever comes up between us, that I'm empowering you to communicate with me what your feelings are. And, and you know that I want to take care of them. I will, I, the, the way that you communicate, especially with feminine communication, triggers the natural providing and protecting instinct of a man, of the masculine, right? So I know that I have that. And I know that the way that we communicate what our feelings are and what's come up really can trigger a beautiful repair process, which, dare I say it, leaves and renders the relationship even stronger than before the rupture happened. Like a muscle that grows when you rupture and then you repair with that person, they gotta be, the, you, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to repair with everybody, but I look at somebody like yourself going, I would love to maintain my friendship with somebody such, so like high vibing as Hannah Chapman. So I'm gonna do what I can to repair, you know, unless you cross a boundary and become a complete jerk, which I don't, see you as doing. It's just not in your so. DNA. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to take care of whatever feelings you bring to me because your friendship is important to me. So this then becomes a conscious spiritual practice of working with the energies that come up within you and then being able to communicate that. And now this is the villain's journey to a secure relationship.
is ah. learning these skills. So that's the path that I take people through. And uh, I really am excited for the book to come out and share that whole journey with people, but that it's possible. Now I have a secure marriage. We, we get into conflict. We, we kind of laugh. It dissolves in minutes. Mm. Um, I know what to do. I know exactly uh, how to respond instead of react. And I trust myself. And so <clears throat> giving my son the best chance of having relationships that are not codependent growing up. Right. Ah, so we're talking about the book and that's, that's not coming out till 2024. So mm -hmm. what is coming out right now in a, like a couple of weeks mm. that people yes. can <clears throat> connect well, with you? The best way people get started, people are like, can you hop on a call? And they resonate with what I'm saying. And I realized the best, <clears throat> instead of kind of hopping on and telling me their story, what I do is I have them come to my upcoming event. Mostly, most of the time, it's the overview experience. It's upcoming. Every month we have it. And it's a six-hour deep dive where you get to really let me tell you your story. Instead of you telling me your story, let me tell you your story, having you just have your mind blown going, holy crap, it all makes sense. And then start the path of breaking that cycle. And then we hop on a call after you've had that. You know, we get on a, a call and just discuss what did you experience and what are you, you know, are you, um, how committed are you to really healing this right now that you see the blind spots? Cause like massive blind spots get revealed on that. Um, and once or twice a year in the, in the, in the recording of this, in a couple of weeks, the end of September, I have, uh, the main event called rewire love, sex, and money. Day one is love. We go into the cognitive, but then we actually go into the body. The afternoon is really dedicated to the embodiment neural exercises, much like, you know, Joe Dispenza does at his seminars where he has some theory and then he says, all right, guys, let's go in and kind of builds that muscle of meditation. We do neural, neural exercises to help rewire those old narratives about love, about money, uh, about your sexuality, oh, it's bad. So we start the process of untangling these trauma bonds with love, sex, and money. And that's coming up and um, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it was quite an event earlier in the year, right? The last one. Um, and people, even from, the, from when we did the podcast the first time earlier this year before mm -hmm. the first Rewire event, the feedback that I got was that even just these concepts being put out into the world, like people were hearing this for the very first time it's in their new. whole lives. It's so brand new. And and yet it's, um, it's familiar, right? Because when we talk about it, they're like, Oh my God, that's, that's it. That's, that's me. why it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I got it dissolves so the shame. much. Yes. I got so much feedback that, this is changing my life already. Wow. Well, one of the women who came and she had a really screwed up narrative with money and her sales and her company, she was like at the bottom. Um, and she just realized, oh my gosh, I've been living here because of the conditioning, right? And so nothing changed, still the same job. I spoke with her. So this is now six months post-event. I was like, hey, how was it? You know, she's like, Holy crap, this year has been a record year. I'm at the top of the company. 
And now I've just, I've started a side hustle now too. So it's just like, whoa, amazing how it's not just kind of like learning education here, but you're learning how to dance with that conditioning that's mm -hmm. there. Cause you're not going to get rid of it overnight. You got to learn how to dance with the conditioning that comes up that stops you in your fear. And so uh, another woman um, within three weeks of doing that rewire, she uh, found a new job that paid her what she was worth and got the benefits and then she could work from home. So it's, it's really cool. And then another woman, uh, she was just tired of working for this mining company. And then all of a sudden said, I quit. And they said, well, why don't you just do contract work? And they're like, okay. She's like, okay. So now she works contract work, getting paid more for the same job at her own time. And she now has started schooling uh, to do um, uh, social work and stuff with that that feeds her soul because she doesn't want to work in the uh, uh, the finance industry. No offense. <laughs> not actually, it's no not for everyone. <laughs> no offense, Hannah Chapman. Uh, she was like, I don't want to work in the finance industry. I want to do something that's uh, for my soul, which is what you're doing, by the way. You're not you're taking, which is why I love what you do. You take the finance, but but you go deeper into like you know the soul of mm -hmm. the person with the money, where does the money want to go? You know, you ask the, you ask the real questions. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not for everyone. <laughs> this is part of my soul's calling for sure. This yes. is not, you know, I would not be in the financial it. industry um, just on a whim, I don't think. Um, mm -hmm. So yes. So we've got Rewire coming up at the end of September, 2023. Mm -hmm. You've got the overview experience that happens every yeah. single month. Um, yeah, that's and where you begin. Yep. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you for having this conversation with me as always. It was amazing. And if anyone has any questions about how to get a hold of you, it's all in the show notes and mm -hmm. would love truly the feedback from these episodes is so powerful in just knowing, right? Knowing that for people like you and me, like the impact it helps. It helps to know, yeah. right? Even if it's, we're not ready to like go anywhere with this yet, but no. just like knowing that you're not alone, you're not alone. There. And there is an answer. If you're willing to move through the fear of engulfment, the fear mm -hmm. of like, Oh, I mean, there's everybody who's listening is going to be like, they know that there's something they want to change and they say, yeah, I'm in, but then there's this shadow part that's trying to protect you uh, from the unfamiliar, because even though it's not, doesn't feel good. You just, it's just, it's so familiar. And there's a part of you that doesn't want to leave familiar. So only when your desire for change supersedes your fear of change, will you actually change? Yep. And you'll get there. You will You'll get there eventually. So thank you so much. And we will be talking again. Thank you.